Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show, where we interview athletes, coaches, entertainers, artists, musicians, authors, and many more on both our podcast and YouTube channels. We discuss their upbringing, careers, and what they're doing today. We document the past so the future can remember. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share our programs. Got a guest you'd like to hear? Contact us and try and get them on the program. We have over 200 episodes recorded, so please enjoy. Stories can't be remembered unless they are told. Someone asked me one time how I get my guest ideas. It's easy. Those I've had memories of in my lifetime. In a weird sort of way, it brings closure to certain times in my life. A history major at Indiana State University, I feel it's my way of preserving history for future generations to remember. Welcome to the program. Brian Canada. Go ahead. Um, how, how was Brian Canada with working out the uh, all the technology? You know what? With Brian Canada, I didn't do a, a video or a Zoom. I did an audio. Just did an audio. Yeah, because in, there's a lot of uh, people. I I just did uh, an interview with Norm Starkey, who is a longtime coach at Franklin Central and Lawrence Central, and mm-hmm. you know they just. Norm Stark, he told me that he was just too pretty to be on camera. <laughs> so, so it's very, it's very, you know, technology in our age group is, you know, I, I, you're 45, 41, 41. Sorry, 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 sorry. Well, I'm 40. I'll be 41 in just a few days. So, okay. And 40 and, and when's your birthday? The 28th. Mine is the 25th. So, you know, 25th. Great. My November wife's birthday. Is 20th. And yeah. mine is the 28th and she is, um, she's a year older than me. So for seven days, she's two years older than I am. So I give her a hard time for those seven days. Uh, yes. And, and every once in a while, our birthdays, uh, fall on Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. yes. Yeah. I can't remember. It might've been, it was either last year or the year before that my birthday was on Thanksgiving. Well, this year, my birthday is on Thanksgiving. So, so that's yeah. pretty cool. So, so Josh, you know, it, it's fantastic to have you on the program. I, I know you're busy. I know you have a busy schedule. Um, so thank you for some, you know, you have your own podcast now and you, you know, you're coaching a, 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 a at a great school at Bar Reeve. Well, that's what I keep being told by Joe Todrink. Hey, Joe's one of the best. He's one of the best. And I tell Joe a lot. Um, when we message each other on Facebook, when he reaches out after we win something um, that I, I tell him, I'm just happy to be a part of what we're doing now. And I'm very appreciative uh, to people like him that I think over the last 30 to 40 years have really got the ball rolling here and, and made this place very special. And, you know, Joe's in the hall of fame and I think he's very deserving of that honor and, you know, any anytime someone like Joe reaches out to you, it it, it feels feels pretty special when, when people take the time to do that. My gosh, and he's over eighty years old. Can you believe that? No, he's still a spry chicken though. I see him I see him every once in a while out here at the golf course when he when he comes back to town and uh, don't let Joe don't let Joe fool you. He's he's still got some spring in his step. Uh, Josh, who 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 is who was your first inspiration for bas- the game of basketball? Oh man, um, you know when when people ask me that question and they ask me, you know, why did you want to get into coaching? I think coaching's always been kind of in my DNA. My sister told me the other day. She goes, you know, you you definitely found your calling, and I guess that's a good that's a good thing to hear people say that because uh, I like the. Uh, the new country song by dirt. Um, and, and, you know, they talk about, you know, do what you love and call it work. And I, I definitely found coaching to be that, but I guess if you go back to people that inspired me to get into coaching, um, both my grandfathers were, were really big IU fans. And so growing up, um, you know, I grew up in that Bob Knight era um, back in the 80s where, you know, if 
Bob Knight was coming to town um, and Jesus was coming to town, <laughs> that there'd be 50-50, you know, going to see Jesus and going to see Bob. I mean, and, and we laugh about that, but that's the way it was in the 80s, um, especially in Southern Indiana. But I can remember being at both my grandpa Thompson and my grandpa Foley's house watching basketball um, and watching Bob Knight and, and thinking about how I wanted to play at IU and then eventually be a coach. And my grandpa Foley, I give him a lot of credit for inspiring my love for the game. Um, he passed away a few years ago. Um, but we would go to a lot of games at WRV. Um, Bloomfield didn't play in the Green County tournament. So when I was a little kid, we'd go to Bloomfield games. But I remember every January going to the Green County tournament with my grandfather. And my grandpa was really good friends with Joe Hart. And, you know, he, he would always talk about Joe and things Joe was doing at Duggar. And, and then, obviously, growing up as a kid at Bloomfield, Steve Brett was the head coach at Bloomfield when I was growing up and just very inspired by the structure that Steve established in his program. Um, you know, I love running the Betty Ball camps. I love running the summer camps. Uh, Albert Cavanaugh and a lot of different people here at Bar Eve do a great job with our feeder system. And I love going in and working with those kids on Saturday morning. And I guess the reason that I love doing that and why I feel that's so important is because I saw Steve do that when I was younger. You know, it wasn't delegated to an assistant coach um, to, to run the, the summer camp. There were always assistants and high school players there, but Steve was directing the camp. Um, and then obviously Steve left to go to Seymour when I was a seventh grader. And uh, kind of a funny story about that is I ended up coaching with Steve later on. I'm sure we'll talk about the time that I spent with Steve at Lagodi, but Steve, when I'm around and people talk about him moving around as a coach and he always says that he saw me coming in seventh grade and he decided he needed to leave. <laughs> but um, no. Um, so Steve went to Seymour and then obviously then Ron McBride took over and coach McBride did a fantastic job. And I love playing for Ron in high school. Um, so I would say those two those two guys definitely inspired me. And then I played college basketball for Mike Beitzel at Hanover. And, you know, I've got a lot of really good friends from that time at Hanover. There's a lot of guys from Hanover in coaching, whether it be Dave Benner at Brownstown, um, Stacy Meyer at Greensburg. But, you know, Coach Beitzel, um, who was the head coach while I was there, and then Coach Miller that's the coach there now, he was the assistant. Um, so – I've just always been around guys that I think are tremendous teachers of the game and did it the right way. And then I would be remiss if I didn't throw out names like uh, Scott Yoho and Rick Hudson, guys that coached me when I was little, um, that really gave me a fire for playing this game that, that now I get a chance to coach every single day. Um, those are, there's been a lot of people, but uh, I, I've always known I wanted to coach. Did you get to play in single class basketball? I did. I was I, I was in a unique situation because my freshman and sophomore year we played single class basketball, and then the first year of class basketball um, we advanced to the state finals, lost in the first ever uh, class A state championship game to Lafayette Central Catholic. Um, and then my, my senior year, we lost in the semi-state to Tecumseh, who, who won the state championship. Um, so I, I got an opportunity to play in, in both situations. Uh, I was telling a guy the other day that I remember when that happened. And I remember as a kid growing up at Bloomfield, and I remember Coach Brett talking to us in summer camp about this, about how, you know, at Bloomfield, you got special recognition if you're a regional champion. And you got your picture put up on the wall at the end of the gym. And that, that was the only way. I mean, if you want a sectional, that was great. Your picture went out in the hallway. If you want a regional, your picture went up in the gym. And so I almost, for lack of a better word, want to say that I kind of felt cheated when, when all that happened. But I, I, I've told people this. Um, I appreciate our tournament that we have now. Um, I know talked to Coach Holmes uh, last week and you know, he's got a great idea that we 
you know, play class through the regional and then bring everybody back together. I think that would be a great mix. I don't know that we'll ever do that again, but I tell a lot of people this, the kids that are playing for me today, they weren't even alive when we had single class basketball. And I just felt like if we ever got a generation removed, there was no chance we would ever go back to that tournament. I still feel very strongly about that. I just, I don't think we'll ever go back. How did you choose Hanover? Could you have gone anywhere else? Did you want to go to Hanover? What was the situation with that? Um, I think it was about the only place that would take me. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, I, I had some options, you know, coming out. Um, at the Air Force Academy, I got an appointment to the Air Force Academy. I wasn't recruited to play basketball at the Air Force Academy, but, but I got an appointment. Uh, to the Air Force Academy and considered going out there to Colorado Springs and trying to walk on. Um, Taylor University recruited me a little bit, uh, Wabash. And, and so just, you know, lots of letters uh, from lots of Division three schools. But when I went to Hanover, um, I felt really good about the staff. I mean, there was a guy that was playing there uh, named Mike, Micah Shrewsbury that's that's out there, Penn State now. And uh, and Coach Shrewsbury was playing there, and I, I just really liked the way that they played basketball. You know, they played with some toughness. Uh, they defended. They ran motion offense, which is what, what we ran at Bloomfield. And I felt comfortable in going there. And then I also had a high school teammate that decided to go there, Nathan Helms, um, who actually lives here in town, lives in Montgomery now is married to a, a Montgomery girl and um, his wife, Brittany, she teaches elementary. So I get to see Nathan a lot. And uh, so it was kind of, I really like the system. I like the coaches, love the guys that were there um, and uh, had a high school teammate going there. So it was really kind of an easy decision for me. Was it in high school when the light bulb went off over your head saying, you know, I, I want to coach this game? Or did you figure out you wanted to coach this game at Hanover? Or when, when did that thought process come to your mind? Well, you know, I kind of went back and forth as far as what level I wanted to coach at. Um, you know, Toby Kerrigan, who is the head coach at Mount St. Joe in Cincinnati now, he was my JV coach whenever I was there at Hanover. And I spent a lot of time talking to Toby. I still talk to Toby a lot. Um, and I just really thought a lot of him. And we had some really unique conversations about whether I would coach at the high school level or the college level. And one of the things he asked me is he said, how important is it to you to start a family early? And I said, well, it's not really overly important, but you know, that, you know, having a wife and, and having some kids that, that sounds pretty nice. And he said, well, if you're going to do that, then you need to make sure that you're probably going the high school route, because if you're going to go the college route, there's going to be a lot of years where you're going to be on the road and it's really hard to have a family and then you don't make a whole lot of money. And so it, it's, you're going to have to wait until later in life to do that. And so after I, after I looked at things and looked at options, I really thought that probably coaching at the high, high school level and having a family, uh, that's really what I wanted to do. And, and that's worked out for me so far to this point. What do you teach at Bar Reef? Um, I actually teach all physical education now. So um, I, I tell people all the time, I'm living the dream. <laughs> now, Co I, Go ahead. I, I've taught, I've taught a lot of different things at different places that I've been. Uh, my major is actually in social studies and I, I've always loved teaching history. And my oldest son, he's a big history buff. So we, we have a lot of discussions about politics, a lot of discussions about history. Um, and, uh, but when I came here, uh, Joe Rodemaker, who was our baseball coach, uh, I've got PE on my license. And so I was on an emergency license the first year I came here. And so then Joe retired. And so then I was able to just slide into that PE position on a permanent basis. And that, that has just kind of worked out. Um, what's really nice about that is I've got, you know, we're a small enough school now to where I have every single player in my high school program, except three kids in my advanced PE weightlifting class. So I get to be around my players every single day. Um, I'm on top of what they're doing in the weight room. 
and that's a big time saver um, at, at a small school uh, where you don't have to spend 45 minutes in the weight room after practice. We get our guys through there during the day. Um, and, and I like being around them. I like being in there in the weight room with them. You know, I, 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 I teeter tottered with this on when I was going to bring this up. I was thinking about bringing it up at the beginning of the show or at the end uh -huh. of the show. And I don't give a crap what people think, but your, your, your spirituality. Yeah. It's very, it's important to me. And tell mm -hmm. me about the importance of it to you. Well, I'll tell you, um, I, there's a couple things about that, that, um, I always like to hit on when people ask me that. Uh, first, first and foremost, I mean, I, I don't think that I would be here today uh, without my faith. Um, I give a lot of credit to my wife uh, for that because uh, when I was in college, I'd kind of drifted away a little bit from going to church and and doing things the way that I needed to do them. And when we started dating, she started getting me to go to the Methodist church and uh, Pastor Greg Davis was there at the Methodist Church and really found a, a strong connection with Dave or, or with uh, Pastor Greg and, and the, there at the United Methodist Church in Ligoti. And, and so he kind of mentored me a little bit. Obviously, my wife was was pushing me in that direction, um, but still didn't develop the relationship that I feel like I have today um, with, with Christ. Um but I'll tell you what hit me like a ton of bricks was I was coaching at Springs Valley and, and I coached there for five years. And, you know, I, I would go to the FCA meeting sometimes. And, you know, I, sometimes I was reading my Bible and sometimes I was going to church and sometimes I wasn't. But after my fifth year at Springs Valley, um, I felt like we were doing everything the right way. And I'll talk a little bit about basketball because I think this kind of weaves into this story. Um, when I interviewed for that job, they asked me, they said, do you think you can replicate here what they're doing at Bar Reeve and Ligoti? And I said, well, absolutely. I said, you know, it, it's just going to take us some time. And, um, you know, my assistant coaches and I were running the youth program. I had a lot of help from a guy named Tony Whitaker, who was the elementary principal there at that time. And we started to get the dads involved. And, and I'll talk about that here in a little while, about the involvement that we have here at R. Eve when I talk about our feeder program. But we started to get a lot of the dads involved, guys like Ron, Ron Carnes, Tracy Tucker. And I started to see a shift in our program. But you know, ultimately at the high school level, you got to win games. And after five years, I was 30 and 80. I mean, that, that was my record, 30 and 80. And I saw these guys coming and we, we had things going, but we, we had a season where I think um, we were trending upward. And then all of a sudden we took a couple steps back for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I'll never forget this. Um, I'm in the gym, my JV coach, John Neal, who's now the head coach at Owen Valley. Um, he's running the seventh grade on one end. I'm working with the eighth grade kids on the other end, and we're getting ready for our tournament on Saturday and Sunday. And in the gym walks um, uh, Mark Hammond, our athletic director, and Troy Pritchett, our principal. And those guys, I worked with them every day. I was assistant principal at Springs Valley. So I worked with those guys every day, and I, I thought, this is odd that these guys are coming in the gym. And we'd had a board meeting um, it was kind of an odd board meeting. It was some kind of a budget meeting. But one of the things you learn as a basketball coach is at the end of every board meeting, there's an item on there that says personnel. And they, the board and superintendent can discuss any personnel issues at the end of the board meeting, and you don't have to be there. So one of the board members brought up, said, I'd like to talk about our head basketball coach and not renewing his contract. And so bang, bang, all of a sudden, voted out I don't have a contract anymore as basketball coach so those guys came in the gym and we talked and yeah, that was a tough conversation because those guys I worked with them every day there they were friends of mine and there was really nothing they could do in that situation the only thing I asked them there was I said why didn't you guys come get me and they said well Josh it was it the ball was all already rolling and it wouldn't have mattered if we would have came and got you or not if you'd have come down to that meeting so anyway, I get home late because I'd, I'd been in conversation with those guys. And I get home and, you know, 
I walk in the door, my wife's upset because I got home extremely late that night. And, uh, you know, she said, well, she saw I was upset. She asked what happened. I explained that I got let go. And I'll never forget her words. Um, she looked at me and she goes, well, where are we going now? <laughs> and and I, I mean, I already knew that she was committed for life. But right then and there, I knew that that we were in this coaching business for good. But I'll, I'll tell you this, that night, probably spent more time in prayer than I ever had in my life. And I, I asked God, I said, you know, Lord, I know you do things for a reason. And if you want me to stay in school administration, if that's my path, then so be it, you know, because I, I was already assistant principal there. At the next board meeting, they gave me a, a, an extension on my administrative contract. But I asked him, I said, you know, if you want me to continue coaching, you know, here within the next month or so, show me an open door somewhere. And I'm not kidding you, within, I think it was within a week, I got a phone call from Wood Memorial, from their athletic director, Steve Killian. And Steve was the basketball coach. He and I traded film. We traded scouting reports. He was getting out, and they had an opening, and they needed a basketball coach. And so I went down there and obviously going back into the classroom, it was going to be a big pay cut. But my wife and I, we talked about how we were going to make that work. But I'll tell you this, then in prayer, I, I, I told God and I remind myself of this all the time. I said, Lord, if I get another opportunity, this is not going to be done my way. I'm going to do this your way. And so when I went to Wood Memorial, um, we started doing a lot of things that I've continued to do with kids here at Bar Eve. Uh, we started a fellowship of Christian athletes. Uh, we started to huddle there at Wood Memorial. That flourished. A lot of that, that wasn't a Josh Thompson thing. There was a lot of great kids there and great help. People were hungry for that. Um, but FCA really took off. And then we started doing Bible study on Wednesday nights. And that's, I just got out of that before uh, we came down here, and, and I really feel blessed to teach and coach at a place that embraces that. Now, we don't, we don't make our guys go to that. We, we open it up and um, come in at their own free will. But that's just something that, that we've done um, at Wood Memorial, Vincennes, and here. And I, I think that's really special because at the end of the day, um, it, it's, it's not going to be on my tombstone how many games I've won, how many sectionals I've won. Um, you know, there's going to be two dates on there under my name and a dash. And I think ultimately when I meet the Lord one of these days, um, whether or not um, I get to go where I want to go, it's going to be based on, hey, you had a lot of young men that were placed in your care. And, and what did you do to bring those guys closer to me? And what opportunities did you give them to do that? And so – uh, that's one of the things that my coaching staff feels very strong about. That's another thing I'm very blessed with is I've got guys on my staff that are very strong in their faith. And uh, I realize, I'm smart enough to realize that in the community that, that I'm in that is very faith-based uh, with our Amish Mennonite influence in the community and the Catholic influence in this community, that it's extremely supportive of that. Um, you know, Greg Tonigal, that's at Indiana Wesleyan, he does a lot of stuff with the I am third and, and, and really reaches out to a lot of coaches um, and tries to influence his team and other coaches with his faith. And Greg's told me multiple times, he goes, I'm blessed to be in a spot that embraces what we do. And I probably couldn't do this, you know, at a, at a division one school. And so I just, I feel very fortunate to be at a school where we can do things like that. What was it like, or what is it like to change jobs and I'm assuming that you got to coach and spend time in the Adams Coliseum in uh, Vincennes. Yeah. Well, the, the best thing I can tell you about that place is unbelievable special gym. I mean, I, I think about this a lot, about how fortunate I am and how blessed I've been to be placed in situations to coach the kids that I've coached and coach in some of the venues that I've coached. Um, you know, getting last year, getting to coach, obviously, in the state finals, but getting to coach at Newcastle in the Hall of Fame Classic. Um, just incredibly blessed to do that. 
when I was at Vincennes coaching at Adams Coliseum, um, you know, it, it just, it, it's sometimes you have to kind of step back and, and take a breath about like, you know, hey, am, am I, is this really happening? Um, and just tremendously blessed to do that. But a funny story about my time at Vincennes. So we still do this drill. It's a two-man fast break drill here at Bar Eve. And, and I learned the drill when I was a young kid at Bloomfield from Coach Brett who coached under Gunnar Wyman uh, in the late 70s. And so we called the two-man fast break drill, we called it the Wyman fast break drill. And so my very first workout with kids at Vincennes uh, in the summer before I started, we're doing the two-man fast break drill that I called the Wyman fast break drill. We're doing it on Gunnar Wyman court. And I thought, man, how cool is this that, I get the opportunity and that this thing's come full circle back um, here to Vincennes. And I love my time there. And, you know, when, when I left Wood Memorial to go to Vincennes, um, the reason why I left was because we had never been in a situation where I had all three of my kids going to school where I coached. And that was an opportunity for us to do that. And so when we went to Vincennes, um, I kind of thought this is going to be it. I, this is dream job. This is where I want to be. And I'm going to finish coaching here. And, you know, just like I talked about with my faith, I think God has a plan for everything. And, and when I thought that that was going to be where I was going to finish my coaching career, I think he was up there laughing about that. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because, you know, uh, playing for Broderpool high school in the uh, mid eighties, I got the chance to, uh, play in the uh, Adams Coliseum and we actually beat a rank Vincennes Lincoln team. And mm -hmm. uh, I hated that we had to sit on the end of the court while you guys sat over on the other side of the court. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that, that was a big advantage. And um, you know, I think Gunner had something to do with that. Um, you know, if I'm not mistaken and, and he definitely used that to his advantage. And you'd hear guys talk about, you know, when they were shooting a free throw and Gunner, you know, being active down there on the baseline. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm sure that was quite the environment um, back when Gunner had him going in the late 70s uh, and early 80s there at Vincennes. So what takes you, what gets you to Bar Reef? Well, you know, I already talked about my wife. Um, you know, I met Jamie when I was teaching and coaching at Lagodi. Uh, she's a Lagodi graduate. Um, she at one time was her all-time leading three-point shooter. So she tells me all the time that she's the best shooter in the family. She's not wrong. First time, this is God's honest truth. I tell her that, that I let her beat me, but the first time we played horse, she beat me. So I, I don't let that out a whole lot, but uh, um, yeah, she, she beat me and, I met her there, and just a real quick backstory. My first coaching job that I ever got out of college uh, was at McLeansboro, Illinois. And I went over there, and I was going to be Kurt Reed's JV coach. Um, McLeansboro is where Jerry Sloan and Brian Sloan are, are from, for um, people that have no idea where McLeansboro is at. It's south of Interstate 64 in southern Illinois. And obviously, Jerry was tremendously successful. NBA coach and uh, Brian played on that 87 national championship team. And so McLeansboro was Sloan territory. Uh, but I went over there and I was over there the summer after I graduated from college and, and I got that job. And it was in the middle of July and I got a call from Coach Brett and he said, hey, we've got this social studies job open at Lagodi. And uh, I said, Coach, I said, I appreciate the offer, but I've got over here. I've worked with these kids this summer, gotten to know Coach Reed really well. And I just want to kind of go over here and kind of establish myself where nobody really knows me. You know, about two days passed, and he called me back, and he said, Josh, have you been thinking any more about potentially coming a little bit closer to home? And I said, Coach, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I've been thinking about that because Ligoti's only 25, 30 minutes from Bloomfield. So I would have been a lot closer to home 30 minutes versus four and a half hours away from home. And he said something to me that, that really hit me. Um, he said, you know, no matter where I coach, whether that was at 
Vincennes or Bloomfield or Seymour. And then now back at Lagodi, when he was at Lagodi, he said, I was always where my parents could come to see my teams play. And he goes, that meant a lot to me. He goes, you know, if you're four and a half hours away at McLeansboro, it's going to be tough for your mom and dad to get more, get to more than a couple games a year. And that started really weighing on me. And, um, you know, I thought, well, this, this is an opportunity to get closer to home. So I talked to Coach Reed about it. He understood. I went and interviewed at Lagodi and I got the job. And I thank Coach Brett all the time for the opportunity that I had to go coach with him. But I also thank him because had he not made that second phone call, I may still be over in Illinois coaching in Illinois, which wouldn't be a bad thing. There's good basketball over there. But I would have never met my wife because I met her when I was teaching there at Goaty, and that was probably the best move I've ever made. She, she's definitely my better half. Um, but going back to what brought us to Bar Reeves, so I was there at Vincennes. Um, I was fortunate enough to get a contract extension at the end of my second year. Our superintendent, our board thought things were really going in the right direction. So um, I asked for a contract extension. So I, they gave me a three-year contract, um, which, you know, would have definitely made me safe there uh, until my daughter graduated from high school, which was a great scenario. Uh, I really liked the kids we had coming back. But this job opened up in July, and it was an opportunity to get back a little closer for my wife to get back closer home to home. Uh, her mom still lives in Lagodi. So we're 10 minutes. My mother-in-law spends a lot of time at my house. So uh, it's a good, it's a good thing that, that I like my mother-in-law. <laughs> She's probably going to listen to this. So I got to say, that. <laughs> but no, she spends a lot of time at, at our house. Um, it also puts me fairly close to my mom and dad. Um, and the other thing is my my daughter, uh, who had just finished her freshman year, was a starting libero on the volleyball team. So when we got an opportunity to come here and this job got offered to me, we sat her down and we, we just basically said, JC, we're going to leave this in your hands. We feel like this is where God's calling us. It's getting mom closer to her home, me a little closer to home. But we love it here at Vincennes. And you started on the volleyball team this year as a freshman. And she told us, she said, guys, I don't really want to move again. So I thought that's going to be the end of the conversation and we're not going to borrow it. And, but then she followed it up and she said, but if I were to move again, the only place I would want to go is to borrow Eve and play volleyball for Amber DeCourcy, um, who I teach with here every day. And uh, her Amber's husband, Mike was best man in my wedding. Um, I did my student teaching with, he and Nathan Lester at North Davies. And so, you know, Mike was really urging me to come and, and take the job. And, um, you know, he kids everybody now. He's like, I wasn't urging you to come because we wanted you, because we wanted your daughter to come play volleyball here. Um, but that really worked out for JC because then she came and she was able to play for three years for Amber and they won two state championships in three years. So that really worked out for her. Um, so when people ask me, why Bari, why did I make that move? Um, number one, it got us closer to home, but number two, and I tell people this all the time, I loved it at Vincennes and Vincennes is really to me kind of a smaller school. Um, even though they're a three, a they're, they're still a small school cause you got less than 800 kids, but I really see myself as a a big time small school basketball guy and and bar eve you know we're the only show in town we don't have football um everybody here lives and dies basketball how yeah, state championship coach you know 25 and one if i'm not mistaken before uh covet hit and you guys won a sectional championship is this where you want to be for the rest of your career you know i'll tell you what i know it's a hard i know it's a difficult question to ask no, no, it's, it, it, it's, you know, definitely for me, not a difficult answer uh, to give because I'm going to be honest, I can't really see myself anywhere else. You know, I, I've been in this business long enough to realize that you never say never to anything, but it, th I really feel like this is the best basketball job in the state of Indiana. 
And, you know, talent goes up and down. Um, but like I said, we're a small school. We don't have football. Um, you know, basketball is the biggest show in town. And, you know, there's pressure to win here. But I tell people all the time, why would you want to coach somewhere where there's not any pressure to win, where people don't care about it? You, when you're in coaching, you hope to coach somewhere where every Friday, every Saturday, people expect you to win. And then it's my job to make sure that that pressure doesn't get put on the kids, which there's always going to be a level of that. But we try to really deflect that as a coaching staff um, and take that as much upon ourselves as possible. But I, it, I tell you what, it's one of the, it's an unbelievable, unbelievable special place. And some of the things that happen here and, and go on here, you, you just can't explain. Like one of the things I alluded to earlier is the involvement that, that parents have in a positive way. Um, I coach, I'm coaching this year, my son's second grade basketball team. And when we had two teams for our fall basketball league, in our, our school, we have less than 300 kids in our entire nine through 12 uh, enrollment. But on our second grade basketball team, we had 26 kids that wanted to come out for our second grade basketball team. There's only 41 boys in the entire second grade. So there's 26 of them that wanted to come out and play on the second grade basketball team. So we divided them up into two teams. We probably had enough for three. But I had five dads that were willing to come in and help with that. And you, we have that at every grade level. And when I say that they're dads that want to be involved, the majority of the time, those are dads that played Bari basketball. And so they understand the vocabulary. They understand the drills and, and everything that we want to do at each step of the way. And like I talked about at Springs Valley, when I went there, it was me and John Neal, my JV coach, and Frank Decker, my varsity assistant. And so many times we would have to coach the team, referee the game. And we had some dads that got involved, but not at the level that we have here. And I tell people there's no perfect job. There is no perfect job. I don't care what you're doing, whether you're a doctor, whether you're an accountant, or you're a basketball coach. But this place is probably as close as you can get as a basketball coach. Uh, did you ever have Larry Bird walk into the gym or uh, tell us a little bit about yeah. uh, Jack Butcher? Did you ever coach with Jack Butcher? You have comments no. on Jack Butcher? No. Um, I'll tell you, real quick, I'll talk about Larry. So um, two good stories about Larry or, or two things that involved him. One of the things I think Springs Valley does a great job is they have uh, an alumni hall thing. Um, and they, and I guess you don't have to be an alumni to get into the Hall of Fame there at Springs Valley, but it's people that have made a lot of contributions to the school. And it's a really, it's kind of a neat thing. Um, and the very first class of that, obviously, how could you have a Hall of Fame at Springs Valley and not have Larry Bird back? But I, I thought some of the things that he did to help promote that were really good. Um, he obviously came back for the induction. Um, he came and talked to the team when he did that. But the neatest thing that happened that Larry did while I was there, he doesn't have a lot of interaction with the team, but this is a great one. So we wanted, uh, I think this is my third year at Springs Valley. We wanted to kind of get the season kicked off with a really neat basketball experience for the kids. And so we were supposed to go on the first Friday of the season and, and practice at the Wigwam in Anderson. as back when the Wigwam was still functional. And then on Saturday, Steve Bennett was the head coach at, at Newcastle, and we were going to go practice at Chrysler Arena after Newcastle got done practicing. We had everything set up. And on Tuesday, I get a phone call from the AD at Anderson, and he said, Coach, he said, I know I told you you could come and practice at the Wigwam on Friday night, but he said, I forgot this is our big green-white scrimmage and chili dinner. And he said, and if I let you practice at the Wigwam and we don't have our scrimmage there, he said, people, I'll get fired. And I said, hey, I, I totally understand. So we were trying to figure out where the heck we were going to practice. So that night after practice, we went down and we had dinner, coaching staff at 33 Brick Street, which is a restaurant that Larry's part owner in. And Tracy Tucker, his business partner, comes up to our table and he asked how practice was going. And I told him it was going well. And I said, but we're a little bit disappointed and told him the story that we weren't going to be able to practice the wigwam. And, and uh, he, he 
you know, kind of, we talked a little bit, made some small talk and, and he went on about his business and we finished eating and we left. Next day, about nine o'clock, phone rings in my office and it's Tracy and he goes, coach, he said, I got you set up to practice at the Pacers facility. This is back when they didn't have Grand Park. You know, they had the little practice gym there. He said, I called Larry and told him the situation. And he said, you guys are going to practice there at Conseco at the practice facility on Friday night. So we drive up Friday night to, to practice at the practice facility. And we walk in and the assistant coach lets us in and takes us back. And, and uh, we dressed in the meeting room, which was right off of the Pacers locker room. So our guys walk in and, you know, there's Jermaine O'Neal's shoe, ginormous shoe sitting in front of his locker. And our guys were just in awe and we're dressing. And he goes, all right, when everybody get dressed, I'll walk you down. So we get, and I have no idea what we're getting ready to do. And so I've got my practice playing there where coaches were talking. So all the kids get dressed. So he walks us out and we turn to go out onto the main floor. And I said, coach, we're practicing in the practice facility. He said, no, he said, Pacers are out of town on a road trip. And he said, Larry said, you guys have the main floor tonight. And so we had Conseco Fieldhouse to ourselves. Like there was nobody in there. And we practiced for two hours. And, and once we got done with practice, kids stayed in there and shot. And we took pictures. And I'll just that, that's a memory that those kids will never forget. And again, he didn't have to do that for us. And I know that we were his hometown team. And that, that was really good. But, um, you know, sometimes – People get criticized for things or, you know, they, he doesn't come back enough. But I thought what he did that day was really special for kids. What was it like? And I've seen pictures of it. And actually, I was a little bit a part of it because uh, uh, they pulled uh, my basketball team against our rival team, Chatard, mm -hmm. uh, to uh, bring everybody to Hinkle Fieldhouse to film the uh, finals of Hoosiers. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, what's it like to play or be at Hinkle? Well, you know, the, the, the one thing that, uh, that I think has been unfortunate a little bit here recently um, with the state finals being at Conseco and, and now obviously it's, you know, a different name uh, there for the field house, but, one of the things that's unfortunate, some of the scheduling and, and concerts and stuff that's there on Thursday and Friday before the state finals is you don't get an opportunity to practice it. And so um, in 19, 2019, when we made the state finals, we weren't able to practice there. But I talked to my administration and I said, you know, that's something special. That's a special memory for those kids. And um so we decided that on Wednesday that week before the state finals that we would go up and we actually practiced at Hinkle. We were able to get in and practice at Hinkle. But, man, that's uh, that place is special. And I, I wish that they would um, go back and, and, and have some type of a shootout. Like Indiana State's hosting, you know, the Holman Center is renovated. And so we're going to go play in this Thanksgiving shootout against Terre Haute South at the Holman Center. I think it would be awesome um, if they would do something like that at Hinkle again, because that experience for high school kids is priceless to be on that floor, whether it's a practice or a game, but definitely playing a game is really special. What's the, uh, the clock is at zero mm -hmm. and your team has won the state championship. Yeah. What is that feeling? What is that memory you have? Or did it go by too quick? Or do you try to uh, go back and relive that? You know, I've seen a couple of pictures of you uh, 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 hugging players. I mean, what is, what is that like to win a state championship? I mean, state, I mean, that's just, you know, it's just at Broderpool High School, I, I was coached underneath a uh, coach, Bill Smith, who won a state championship in 1980. And, you know, uh, beat an undefeated New Albany team. And, you know, I had to hit a 57 foot foot or 57 foot or to uh, beat Marion. So yeah. what are, what is that? What does that feel like? Or how often do you think about that? Or, you know, did, did I ask too many questions within that no, one question? No. Well, I'll, I'll go back. And, and the very first thing that I want to say is, you know, John Smoltz talked about this last night in the World Series. 
he said, you know, in, in 90, the thing that made this year's Braves team different from the 95 Braves team is that the 95 Braves team, they were expected to do that. And when I say that, you know, last year we were expected to do that. I mean, I think everybody in our community expected us to do that. Obviously, other teams in our sectional, they were trying to beat us, but I think in the back of their mind, and they knew there was a chance that they could beat us. And Lagodi and North Davies had really good teams, and North Davies about knocked us off in the sectional. But I think everybody in this area expected us to win a state championship. Um, we were ranked one in single A all year long from start to finish. We got as high as seven um, in the coaches poll. So to say that there wasn't some relief at the end of that game that we accomplished what we had set out to accomplish, I, I think would be leading you astray. So there was a little bit of relief like, hey, we did it. And I, I still tell people that all the time. I think one of the hardest things to do in athletics is to do what you're supposed to do. I mean, how many times does the team that's favored to win the NCAA championship at the beginning of the year actually win? You know, I know last year was a weird year because um, you had us, Blackhawk, Silver Creek, and Carmel. And I think at the beginning of the year, you probably could have said all four of those teams were favored and every one of those teams won. I mean, that's that's probably not ever going to happen again. And, and that's incredibly hard to do. So there was a little bit of relief. But, man, whether you're coaching a team, and I say this with, with all honesty, whether you're coaching a team that's won three games or whether you're coaching a team like last year that won 29 games, if you can get a team to accomplish something together, whether that's winning a conference championship, taking a team that hadn't won very many games and you won a sectional, or that team last year, just seeing that joy in kids' faces when you win, that's why you do what you do. I mean, I tell people all the time, I was blessed with great coaches, and one of the reasons why I wanted to get into coaching was to just have a chance to give kids those types of experiences that I got to have as a high school player. Um, and the last thing I'll say about it is – I had a lot of coaches that I really respect, guys like Mike Adams, um, Coach Brett, um, and a lot of other guys, Sam Alford that reached out to me at different times. And lots of those guys' messages to me was not about, hey, X's and O's, or you need to be thinking about doing this down the stretch or that down the stretch. The big message that was overwhelming from those guys is enjoy it. Enjoy. And so there were so many times during the tournament run. Um, and again, thank God that I've got such a special wife that, um, you know, allows me to do what I'm doing and gives me time to, to prepare. And, and I've got such a supportive uh, family that, that I was able to enjoy that. And, uh, and it, it was something that that's special and, and I love it, but talking about that moment, um, think then the hard thing to do is then hey as soon as that's over you almost have to start thinking about the next year and it was on the bus ride home that I was thinking about next year and I, I remember talking to Dean Scott my varsity assistant I'm like hey you know Reed Thompson was in this role for us this year as a reserve but next year he's going to be a starter for us and you know how are we going to do this and that with Reed and put him in positions to score and he goes, Coach, he said, we just want a state championship. Can we not get back to the gym? Celebrate, you know. But, you know, his mind was moving too. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely special, and it's a special group, um, and they'll be special around here forever. Now, 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 you know, you bring up the smaltzy thing. I, you know, you know, I don't know if you know that I live in Houston, Texas. But uh, <laughs> what a great World Series, though. Uh, you know, no one was cocky. They, 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 they won with uh, – um, they, they did great. So, yeah. uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm not upset that they won. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, it was a great World Series. Both teams were a class act. And uh, I just – I'm a Cubs fan. And uh, I've been cursed with that. I grew up watching the Cubs play day games in my dad's shop. Um, back when he had the old coax cable hooked up to the 
TV out there in the in the workshop, and th this is no joke. I can remember him having a black and white TV out there in the in the workshop, and then when when we got a new TV in the house and he moved the color TV out to the shop, I mean, I thought I was in heaven at that time. But I'll never forget one time when I was a kid and it was late July and the Cubs were like 27 games back. And I, I was just a little bit of guy and I said, dad, I mean, but I was old enough to understand what the standings were. I said, dad, you think the Cubs got a shot? And he goes, yeah, they got a shot next year. <laughs> uh, uh, coach, you got your master's from Indiana university, correct? Um, no, my master's is from all of it. My, okay. uh, my, my degree, my BS degree, I finished up at IU, my education degree. Okay. So, and Olivet, Olivet Nazarene college, which is in yeah. Illinois, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And then um, I got, picked, go up my picked up my administrative license uh, from Oakland city. Um, what, what do you think about the Indiana university hire and what do you think coach Whitson uh, uh, will pull off this year? Well, you know, one of the things I've always felt about new hires is don't ever get way too excited and don't ever get way too down on those guys in the first couple of years. But I think that it was a, it, for the situation that everybody was in, that it was a home run hire because you've got an IU guy um, that I think the fan base appreciates the fact that he's an IU guy. But I don't think you have to be an IU guy to be successful at IU. But I think you have to do a couple things. And I think being an IU guy lends itself to this. I think you have to make sure that you draw on the history and the tradition of Indiana basketball. And obviously, with Mike being a former player, he's already got the connections with a lot of his teammates and other guys that played there um, as far as bringing guys back to practice. And then I also think with the fan base that it makes things great that he's already made that connection. Coach Knight's come back to practice. You know, he's planning on being at the, the you know, promotion thing here in early November. And so I think those are great things that he's done. Um, I, I can't really think of too many things where he's missed a step here early on. He's got some really good recruits. I think the fact that he's got an NBA background um, I think that appeals to top level recruits because again, of his, with his connections to guys that are in the NBA, um, I think he's going to run some pro style um, things offensively. And I also think he hit it out of the park when he brought in Dane Fife as a, as his assistant coach, because you've got a guy that's not just an IU guy, a former player, but a guy that I think is pretty highly thought of in the college basketball circuits as a top level assistant. So I, I I think it was a really good hire for Aki. And, and you know, he's a BR guy too, not Barry, but Broad Ripple. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, there's 24 hours in the day. Yeah. You probably sit, sleep, sleep six. How many hours a day do you discuss, think about, or talk about basketball? Well, there's times where I wake up at two 30 in the morning and, and I'm, you know, thinking about basketball and I'll get up and, um, and, and I'll draw something up cause I don't want to forget. Uh, my wife made fun of me about a week ago. She and my youngest son, they were standing in the living room and I walked over to the wall in our hallway across from our spare restroom. And I, I was diagramming something on the wall, but I needed a flat surface to kind of X and O it out. And they're standing back behind me and I turn around and she goes, what are you doing? Um, I don't know. It just, it is a true passion for me. Um, and, and I love that I get to live it out every single day. Um, and, you know, I, I would say that there, there's very little time that goes by each day where I'm not thinking about something or, or thinking about something that we need to do with a player or for a player I really, you know, people talk a lot about coaching is all about relationships. One of the things I love to do, like when I'm sitting watching World Series, is texting former players, asking them, you know, how they're doing, what they're doing, um, you know, give them a jab, you know, if they're an Astros fan or, you know, if, if, if there's something going on that reminds me of a kid, then I'll reach out to them. Um, but, you know, just – a couple of weeks ago, I had a situation where 
I've got a player that's going through a really rough situation with his marriage and um, some, some different things that are going on with that. And there was about a two day period where we were in a lot of dialogue back and forth, either on text or on phone. And, um, you know, I, I hate it for that young man, the situation, but I appreciate the opportunity to be there for him. And because there's, there's times where I'll call coach McBride or I'll co call coach Brett about different things that, that have nothing to do with basketball. And I think that's one of the great things that you get to do in this role as a coach. Two questions here. What, what does this season look like mm -hmm. coming up yep. and how do you deal with former coaches or play uh, former uh, or, or, or uh, parents that give you input? Well, I guess um, the, the, the first question, because everybody, everybody's a, 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 a backseat driver or a backseat yeah. coach, whatever you want to call it. So how do you handle that? Well, let, I guess, let me go to that one first. The first thing that, that I, that I always remind myself in any situation dealing with a parent is they want what's best for their kid. I mean, in, in my perspective, I've got three kids. I always want, want what's best for my son or daughter. Um, and, and so that's, I think, something that's really important to keep in mind when you're dealing with parents. One of the things that we do is we always have, obviously, the, the classic parent meeting at the beginning of the year. Um, but one of my rules, and I explain this every year to our junior high parents, our element, I even go to our elementary basketball parent meeting. Um, and in my parent meeting, I talk about how, you know, we are the coaches. We are the ones that are in the gym all the time. And our job as coaches is to put their sons in the best situation to be successful on the floor that we can possibly do. And I have never seen anybody ever, ever be able to put 11 kids on the floor at one time. And so we have to make tough decisions. It's not always an easy decision for a coach. Uh, sometimes it is. I mean, you know, if, if a kid can't guard a fence post, <laughs> it's hard to play. But, you know, you would love to play all those kids, but at the end of the day, you can't. So one of the things I, I tell parents in that parent meeting is I will talk to you about anything concerning your kid. If they're having trouble in class, if their grades are low, um, mentally, if they've checked out at home, they're, they're not doing things the way they need to be doing them at home. They're missing curfew at home. I'll help out and be there to talk about any of those things um, and, and offer any help in that capacity I can. But I will absolutely not ever talk to a parent on a text, on a phone call, or in a meeting about playing time. That's just something that's completely off the table. And, um, you know, I, I give them uh, our, our, how the kids earn playing time, uh, and we go through all that. We talk about different things we try to do defensively that kids can earn playing time. And we talk about that in the parent meeting. And then after that, there's no discussion of, parent, of playing time. Um, the thing I always remind parents about is when I turn around to put Joe in the game, I don't want to ever have a thought in my mind of am I putting Joe in the game because he deserves to be playing or because I had a 30 minute meeting with dad um, in the parking lot. And if, if that happens, then that's a complete disservice to that young man that my focus has been lost on the potential adjustment to the game that he can make by going in. Um, and, and that does me a disservice as a coach, but it really does that young man a disservice that I'm torn about why I'm actually putting him in the game. Um, so I've been blessed. I don't want to say I've never had parent problems because there's no coach that's ever coached high school basketball that's not had parent problems. But I think establishing those expectations early. Um, and, then, and then again, that dialogue with parents uh, about what's going on with their kids. You know, I, I encourage parents to contact me um, whether it's via email or text or whatever, if there's something that's separate from playing time that's going on. Because I'll tell you what, being a kid these days is is not easy. And it, it takes a village uh, and, and a big partnership with coaches and parents. Then to go back and answer your question about what this season looks like, um, 
we're going to end up with, uh, you know, six, seven seniors on the team this year. We've got two kids that started for us, Hagen Nepp, who was a junior all-star last year, and Caden Graber, who was our shooting guard, is going to move to point. So we've got two guys that played a lot. And then we've got guys like Reed Thompson, Christian Smith, Aaron Wagler, Nick Schwarzenschruber, who all were played huge roles on our JV team last year and were guys that dressed and were on our state finals team. Um, and those guys will be in the mix. And then we've got a couple sophomores, uh, Donnie Miller and Braden Nepp uh, and Ethan Stahl, who I think have progressed really well over the summer that are going to be battling for some minutes as well. So I, I like the group that we've got. One of the things I think that makes us special, and I, I tell people this all the time, uh, our culture here at Bar Even, this is not a Josh Thompson thing. This is our culture here at Bar Even. This was here way before I got here um, with Coach Toadbrank, um, Coach Omer, Coach Hughes, is guys here do not see playing JV as a – as a junior, as a knock. Um, guys progress. It, it's helped our JV be ultra successful over the years. And they understand that, hey, I'm putting my time in and my time is going to come. And, you know, we had seven seniors on the team last year. And most of the time you would think if you had seven seniors, that following class is going to be almost non-existent because those guys wouldn't get opportunities. Well, we're going to have six or seven seniors again this year. So that's something that I think makes us special and separates us. You know, uh, I think it was Shooter on Hoosiers who said, you know, shoot it from the cheap sheets. You have a podcast yeah. chucking it from the cheap seat. Where yeah. did this, where did this come from? Why did you start it? I don't, I don't know. I guess maybe I didn't have enough on my plate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so during COVID, um, you know, you, not just me, but I think a lot of coaches were almost going stir crazy, you know? So myself and, and about 25 other coaches, we started doing zooms like this, where we would have one guy present something for 20, 30 minutes. And then we would talk about it. We would discuss it. We did that a couple of times a week and that was really good. And uh, it kind of evolved to where I was hosting. I'm not real sure how that evolved, but it evolved to that. Maybe it was just because it was my Zoom account that we used. Um, and I had some guys reach out to me and they're like, you know, you know, some of the questions you ask are pretty good and you might think about doing something like this one of these days. So we had a media class that got started last year and they were looking for projects. And I talked about Mike DeCourcy um, who's my freshman assistant. He's also a radio guy. He teaches that class. And I love talking basketball to people like yourself. I love talking to other coaches. And so, um, so I told Mike this summer, I said, Hey, I said, what do you think about us starting a podcast where, you know, I would, I would talk to other high school coaches or people that are journalists and very influential uh, to Indiana basketball. And then, we'll let the kids edit everything and, and put it out there for the world to listen to. And maybe we might get two or three people that'll tune in. And he goes, yeah, we, he goes, we're looking for projects like that. So it's been something that's been really neat. Uh, you know, the kids have done the ads for it. Uh, the ads that we've sold to shoot away. Bruce Helt has been a big supporter of us. Uh, Coach Hoover at D1 camp, uh, been a big supporter of us. BSN sports hopped on board. And so the kids have sold the ads. They're making the money for the class on the advertisements and they're, they're doing the ad spots. And then I get to talk basketball with coaches. And then the next day they cut it up and they put it out there for the world to listen to uh, the name. It, it came from the movie Hoosiers. And when I was at Vincennes, um, when I was at Vincennes, I was the assistant principal. So my weekly email to the staff, uh, giving them updates about different things that were going to be happening that were concerning me and things that I needed them to be involved in. Uh, the, the newsletter was checking it from the cheap seats. So, and, and, and you talked about Adams Coliseum. So the banner was a picture of Adams Coliseum, the inside of Adams Coliseum, and checking it from the cheap seats. So we just, I took that name because I can't think of anything original. So that's how it, that's how it evolved, but it's been a lot of fun. Where they can, where can they hear that at? 
Well, anywhere that you can download um, uh, your favorite podcast, whether that's Apple, Spotify, that's where we get a lot of listeners from Spotify. Um, it's also out there on the Google podcast, but anywhere you find your, your favorite podcast, people can go and they can download that and, and listen and like it. Uh, Coach Thompson, uh, we ran long, but it was a pleasure. Well, that's usually how things happen with me whenever I'm talking basketball. They usually go long. So, you know, you've been on my radar for quite a bit of time, and it's a, uh, it's a, uh, uh, it's great to watch you blossom and and turn into what you have turned into. And uh, I'm glad we talked about the spirituality of the uh, of it all, of it all. And uh, uh, this was fantastic. I appreciate your time. Yeah, I I appreciate you doing what you're doing and, uh, you know, having having people on like Junior G and Brian Canada, uh, my wife's uncle, and I've enjoyed listening to some of your your uh, broadcasts. And I think it's great when when you can keep nostalgia alive. Thank you very much, coach. Hey, thanks.